Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 102 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast, and today we had to do a double a double banger here this week uh, because we had the PLL draft last night, and it was weird to see how that went down, but there's some trends developing that I want to talk about. I also want to talk about the partnership that P- the PLL uh, made with Genius Sports uh, Group so that we will be able to have lacrosse gambling. That is, a, is huge news that we're going to be able to bet on the PLL here this summer. Uh, Jack Rustbolt coming back to Richmond, the goalkeeper for Richmond. That's big news for the Spiders. We got a bunch of updated transfer portal stuff to talk about. Uh, so before I get into it, though, as always, best thing you can do to help us grow, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, but really just share this video, like this video, all that good stuff. And that'll help us grow. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com to get yourself some swag, hats, t-shirts, all sorts of other things to help us support the show. So getting right into it. First thing I want to talk about, PLL. Allowing sports betting uh, for the first time in the history of the world, as far as I know, we're going to be able to bet on the sport of lacrosse, albeit it's just going to be the PLL for now, but I bet you that the NLL and that college lacrosse probably follow closely behind once they get the logistics of this worked out and they see how it goes for, for Vegas and for all companies involved. A lot of people don't like the idea of betting on lacrosse, but in in terms of growing the game, uh, sadly, it's just one one part of the growing the game uh, aspect. It'll it'll it will end up attracting a lot more casual fans. It will get more eyeballs on the sport for even the lacrosse player that doesn't follow the PLL. For instance, I'm one of those guys that traditionally didn't watch a whole lot of pro lacrosse, and I put all my attention into college lacrosse for the guys like me that were on the fence. I'm not on the fence anymore, but I was on the fence. Uh, this is the kind of thing that could rope these people in, and and people always identify gambling with gambling addiction and the ruining of lives. But the reality, just like with everything else between uh, alcohol, drugs, gambling, any vice that you can have, you're going to have people abuse said vice, but more often than not, and it's the overwhelming majority of the cases, uh, you're going to have people be able to partake in a responsible way, enjoy themselves, and just have it be fun. So I personally plan on padding my 401k with sports betting on lacrosse. I even jokingly said to my wife, I was like, hey, that's the future of our, our retirement. And she's like, really? You think you can do that well? I was joking, and I was just you know waiting for my wife to say, hey, don't you dare and it, her response instead was, really? You think you could do that well? Like, I don't know if that's just a false sense of hope or she's overestimating my abilities, but really, I'm, I'm terrible at betting. I overthink everything, and I end up picking the opposite team that I should because I'm just going back and forth and back and forth with logic that just gets circular on me and I lose it. So I'm not the betting type, but I will do some betting and I will show you the results of my lacrosse betting this summer as we all finally get to bet on some PLL. So that was huge news. The other big news, and that came earlier in the week, but then the other big news last night, the PLL had their 14-player college draft, and I nailed the first two picks, which I was surprised at. And then the one that I got wrong, I had picked and assumed that Nick Mellon, and I even made the statement that I thought Nick Mellon might go third, and that if he didn't, he was certainly going to get taken in the top 14. And Nick Mellon did not get taken in the PLL draft. So I don't know what's up with that, but I will tell you what I think here shortly. Amet, no surprise. Amet was number one. I had picked him as the number one. Everybody picked him as number one. The only thing that I dispute that Inside Lacrosse had said 
Inside Lacrosse had mentioned that ever since Amat announced his uh, his intentions to declare for the PLL draft, he was always going to be the number one. I disagree. I don't believe that Sowers had decided what he was doing yet at the time that Mellon declared for the draft. I can't remember. If Sowers had declared for this draft, Sowers would have been the number one pick, in my opinion, especially, I think, because he would have fit better with the Archers, or who I believe took, took Amet. And I think Sowers would have been a better fit because Sowers is more of a 50-50 type guy, and they could use that kind of guy who can both feed and uh, dish. But either way, Amat is the number one pick. And a cool thing that I saw, I don't know i don't know who's wearing number one currently for the team that took him, but he's going to wear number 16 to honor uh, former teammate and goalie Connor Darcy, who died in a car crash. So I thought that was cool. So Amat's pro number, jersey number, jersey already out, and they mocked up, and they already had a, a, an image floating around social media. So he's going to wear the number 16 uh, in the PLL. Brian Costabile, I got this one right as well. He goes number two. He helps that aging midfield immediately. As I said, he's going to help the geezers like Rabel uh, move on a little bit more quietly into the night. He'll be standing there as Rabel's taking his last dying lacrosse breath, and Costabile will there will be there to pick up the torch. And honestly, Costabile, very Rabel-like in terms of his build and his shot. Not very Rabel-like in other ways, but uh, he's just a, a very solid midfielder, and the Atlas are going to be very pleased to have him. And like I said, capable of being a, a 50-50 guy in terms of field play. Like he can, he can go both ways if he has to. He's not Ryan Conrad, but offensively he's as good as Ryan Conrad, if not maybe even a hair better in terms of his goal-scoring prowess, although I think Ryan Conrad would have something to say about that, and I'd, I'd posit that that'd be okay. Uh, but he will be a very solid pickup, a young guy, and it helps that aging midfield for the Atlas. Water Dogs take Michael Krause, and I ha- I wasn't sure. See, some of these guys, I was, I'm not sure if they've actually committed to playing pro after this. Michael Krause is one of the guys, I wasn't sure if he was coming back, going back to UVA, or if he was going to go pro. But the Water Dogs take Krause out of Virginia at number three. That's another huge pickup, a 50-50 attackman. The guy can score goals, create on his own, score off ball. The guy can feed. He can be a quarterback. He he will be a great utility attackman where they can pretty much plug him in a spot and he will work and he will uh, play well on the field for the Water Dogs. Big pick. Uh, Chrome at number four, take Tom Rigney out of Army. And here's what I've noticed with the defensemen that were taken. I saw somebody on Twitter complaining, saying that, hey, six defenders were taken out of these 14 guys, and none of them were Nick Mellon. But as I go through and I look at the defensive picks, Rigney out of Army uh, at number four. Uh, Sean New out of Holy Cross at number seven goes to the Whip Snakes. Rigney goes to the Chrome at number four. DeLuca, goalie out of Delaware, excellent goalkeeper. He goes to the Water Dogs, so they pick up a good goalie there. Reese Eddy, wee folk, long stick midfielder out of Boston U. That was no surprise. Ray Pine goes to the Archers at number 11. Aiden Hines goes to Yale at, or goes to uh, Atlas at number 10. And Chris Price out of High Point goes to the Redwoods at 13. So the trend here and the, the difference between all of these guys and Nick Mellon, all of these guys, I believe, are listed at 6'1" 
or taller, all of them above 200 pounds, and Mellon listed at 5'9". So I think that the trend here in terms of the defenders that were taken was that they're all big guys, big, strong guys. All of them play good at-home defense. None of them are light-the-earth-on-fire takeaway guys. It seems the PLL is just looking for solid defenders with big bodies to try to body up some of these attackmen. So Rigney, number four, he goes to the Chrome out of Army. And then the schools that you see, Army, the two top defenders taken was Rigney out of Army, uh, and then Holy Cross. I was going to say, and then Aiden Hines out of Yale is another one. Uh, the PLL seems to love Yale and Army defenders because they're, they they all play well within systems. They have la- high lacrosse IQs because you can't be a dum-dum and go to either of those places. And then they end up just kind of being big athletic boys. So Rigney, number four, to the chrome, out of Army. Number five, The Undertaker out of Yale. Matt Gaudette is going to play for the Chaos. And I, once again, Gaudet, I, I presume he's probably going to play pro, but there, there's still the possibility he transfers. I'm not sure how that was all working with them. Like I said, a lot of these guys, I just don't know what they were doing necessarily. Uh, Gaudet obviously can't go back to Yale. I don't believe he was in the transfer portal, so he's probably going to rock his stuff in the PLL for the Chaos. He's Who was it? The lovable... Um, the lovable meathead. Somebody had said on Twitter that uh, he's going to score a million goals in that system for the chaos, and I don't, uh, I don't, I don't debate that. I think that he is going to score a boatload of goals. Gaudet is the kind of guy that will feast at the next level off ball with all of these Dodgers that that can just create so much offense, turn so many heads, and Gaudet just he's a true crease attackman, a true guy that just knows how to camp out. He's not a real big motion off-ball attackman. He is a true crease attackman. I'm going to hang here until my guys move, and then I'm going to take one or two steps in either direction, get myself open, hands-free shot score. So Gauda is a great PL. He will be a great PLL player, great pro, and he's just cool. Great, per- perfect personality for the PLL also. And honestly, I don't know what his real personality is like. I just know what that Yale headshot looked like while he was playing at Yale, and he looked crazy in every picture that I ever saw of him. And then on the field with his face paint, he, he looked pretty, pretty worn out as well. Peyton Smith, face-off guy out of Marist, goes to the Redwoods. And everyone's saying, oh, what about T.D. Erlin? T.D. Erlin's staying in school, man. Gallagher staying in All these people are staying in school. You're not going to get these guys if they're staying in school. They can't play in the PLL. So Peyton Smith was available, and the Redwoods take him out of Marist. A hell of a face-off guy. I think he's in the 62-63 percent range last year and the year before so very good pickup and he'll 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 play well for the redwoods whip snakes take sean new defender out of holy cross again another big boy over 6-1 over 210 pounds will play good at home defense doesn't light the world on fire with takeaways or anything like that but i want to say he had 10 11 12 takeaways each of the last two years but while you're a big name defender on a a team and everybody knows hey this is the guy we're trying to avoid you don't end up getting a lot of a lot of turn uh, cause turnovers but Sean New will be a good solid body for the Whip Snakes and we get into round 2 Number eight, Water Dogs, Matt DeLuca. They get themselves a very good goalie. DeLuca was one of the best goaltenders in the NCAA over the course of the last two years out of Delaware. Very solid lacrosse player the Water Dogs picked up. Chrome, number nine, take Reese Eddie, LSM out of Boston University. Uh, Eddie, I believe, is one of the wee folks. Small guy, but an excellent LSM. Gets all over the field, picks up a lot of ground balls. 
Aiden Hines, defender out of Yale, again, fits that profile. He is the he is literally the prototype of what you want a PLL defender to be. Good size frame, good reach, does not try to take the ball away too much. He's going to play good at home team defense, and that's what the PLL seems to be after. Jack Rapine, and I believe somebody said Rapine was the first player that was taken that was in actively in the transfer portal. I could be wrong on that, but Rapine gets picked up out of Hopkins. Number 11 goes to the Archers. So he had he didn't play at Hopkins or wasn't going to play in the 2020 season at Hopkins, and there was a lot of speculation as to what he was going to do. Uh, was he going to transfer out and play somewhere in 2021? Apparently he's been drafted, so will that influence his decision to maybe pull out of the portal and just say, hey, screw it, I'm uh, graduating and playing pro? That was pick number 11 to the Archers. Pick number 12 to the Chaos, Jeff T. Out of Cornell, and Teat has not announced what his intentions are yet. I believe he is going to end up having to transfer uh, if he decided he did want to play somewhere. My prediction is that Teat is done with the college game because Teat, out of all of these guys that we've talked about, I think Teat has the potential, the the most earning potential uh, in terms of actually getting paid by both the NLL and the PLL. He's going to be highly sought after in the PLL. I think he would have been a higher pick if P- if teams knew exactly what he was actually thinking. But the fact that he got picked here, I think he will end up getting picked in the NLL draft. And I think you're going to see T leave Cornell and just get on with his life and play pro lacrosse. Playing lacrosse is what he loves to do. He loves playing box as much as he loves playing field, maybe more. So this kid is playing lacrosse year-round already. He might as well get that cheddar and get paid while he does it. So my prediction is that Jeff T will play for the chaos and that Jeff T is going to get drafted in the NLL and will play in the NLL. Also, I do not think we're going to see Jeff T back in the NCAA. Uh, Redwoods, number 13 pick, Chris Price, defender out of high point. Again, another big body. Not When I say big body, I'm not talking 6'5 hulks. I'm talking 6'1 to 6'3, 210, 220, uh, and he fits that mold perfectly. That's exactly where he sits. Good defender. Once again, not a takeaway guy, although he's more than capable of taking the ball away from players. He has decent takeaway statistics, but Price, he's going to fit well in the PLL. And then the 14th pick, uh, we're not going to call him Mr. Irrelevant because there's only 14 damn picks here. Whip snakes take D mid Matt Hubler out of Johns Hopkins. So a very weird draft, and I'm, I'm, it wasn't offensive he- offense heavy at all. I thought we may end up seeing a kind of offense heavy draft simply because teams could fill out the defensive side of the ball with the less sexy defenders and uh, midfielders and things like that. But we we saw them take six defenders. We see them take one, two three, four mids, and then a bunch of attacks. So, I mean, it was pretty spread out in terms of what what teams took. The guys that I am most excited to see make this transition, though, Grant, because I'm an, I'm an attackman, so I'm going to stick with my theme here. Grant Amat out of Penn State, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, Costabile, I'm excited to see how his talent transitions. I don't think we see as many midfielders hit these rosters and then just play. I think that that's one thing I noticed last year. We had a ton of rookies playing and and doing big things at attack last year in the PLL. We did not have a ton of midfielders doing big things and trashing on the landscape. So it'll be interesting to see where Costabile fits in. He's got a veteran midfield that he's playing with, but like we said, they're a little bit older and getting up there in age. So Costabile, will he get as much burn? Kraus, I'm not sure what he's going to do. I'd be, he, hey, he's a great player. 
I put him right up there. He Amet is not leaps and bounds better than a Michael Krause. Amet is just a different type of player that played in a different system that suited him perfectly. Krause has been battling injuries the last two seasons. So I think we would have seen Krause trash on the world here this year for Virginia by the end of it. And he had a really good season last year as they won the national championship. And then Gaudet. Uh, off ball guys are always cool to watch. I was an I was I was a dodging expected to be a dodging attackman in high school just because it was high school and that's what we did. By the time I got to college, it became very apparent that I was more of an off ball kind of guy. So I love watching guys like O'Keefe and Gaudet. Uh, I love watching off ball players and and uh, Brad Voigt, Bubba out of Syracuse. I love watching these guys hone their craft because that was primarily what I did. By the time I was playing club. A D1 club ball at BU. I had two attackmen that were very good Dodgers playing with me, and I just lived off of them. You know, they'd one they would kind of play behind off wings, and I would just hang on the crease, wait for my guy to turn his head, and boom, these guys would feed me, and I'd score goals. So I, I that was me. I think my friends called it the low motion offense. I was the the king of the low motion offense when I played back in my circles. And uh, guys like Godat, he is he is a king of the low motion offense as well. Like I said, not a motion attack. Like uh, Mac O'Keefe is always moving. Mac O'Keefe's just constantly moving. He's like one of those point guards in basketball where they try to shut you off, and those point guards are just constantly curling off picks. Like a, a Steph Curry is a shooting guard, just constantly curling off picks, moving. It's not like O'Keefe is running across the field back and forth. It's intelligent motion, but he's he never stops, and he's always just sitting there waiting. So. Between those two, I like the low motion guys like Gaudet, and I like the high motion uh, movers like O'Keefe as well. And I and I like a guy like Brad Voigt was kind of in the middle of that. He would do a little bit more moving, a little bit more cutting, but he was a perfect mix between a Gaudet and an O'Keefe. Uh, he didn't have O'Keefe's cannon. Sorry, Bubba. I think that you might agree with me on that, but still, just a sniper and dangerous from anywhere. So anyway, that's the draft results. Uh, very, very cool stuff to see. PLL is going to be exciting. I'm glad we finally are going to get some damn lacrosse back more, more than anything else. So back into here now, and we're going to get into a little bit of uh, college news now and a little bit of college talk. Jack Russell, and I, I specifically wanted to talk about Russell because as I've watched Richmond play over the last couple of years, one thing was very notable to me. Russell was one of the reasons they had so much success in both 2018 and 2019. A very solid goaltender, and that's big news for the Spiders that he's deciding to stay put and is going to return to Richmond for his, I believe it must, is it a super senior year? Or has he not even had that much time yet? I'm not even sure what year Russ Bolt is now off the top of my head, but the, the fact that he's announcing that he's hanging, staying put, maybe means that he was a senior. Either way, 55.8% between the pipes last year, 556 in 2018. So, I mean, he's proven over multiple seasons, hey, I'm solid. Here are my solid statistics. He hits that number above the number, the magic number 55 that I throw out for goalkeepers. You save 55% of the shots as a goalkeeper at the Division One level, you are earning your keep and you probably have a starting role on the team that you're playing on. SoCon tourney MVP with 14 saves against High Point in the finals last year, uh, 2019, and 13 or 12, I think it was, saves against Air Force in the semis in the, the 2019 SoCon tournament. Richmond knocked off high, uh, high Point and ruined High Point's time uh, last year is what ended up happening. As we go through the portal, updated transfer portal list. There's tons of talent still in the portal, and we all want to try to see where these guys are going to end up. I think that what you're going to see is a lot of these guys eventually pull their names out of the portal, and there's a bunch of guys who have already started to do that. Notable guys still floating. 
One guy, Will York, attackman out of Bucknell, hasn't decided what he's doing yet. My prediction is that he's going to leave. I was really hoping that Syracuse was going to be able to pick up one of these transfer attackmen out of the these upstate New York schools where these guys were leaving. So I don't know. I have no inkling or no idea what York is planning on doing at all. But that's a big name and, and that I'm watching to see where he goes. And then another one, Diamond Davis, or, or Dave, Diamond Davis. Davis Diamond, attackman out of Albany and Skitters also. That, those are two... Two players that you put them on a lot of rosters at the D1 level, and they're going to contribute at either the attack or mid. So uh, Davis Diamond and, uh, and and Skitters are both still in the portal there. Guys who are on the move that I saw, and these these guys aren't necessarily new. It's just guys that as I'm looking through these lists, I'm they're, uh, my eyes are being like, oh hey, they got, they grab this guy. Is uh, Dan O'Connell Fogo out of Holy Cross is on his way to Duke. I think that's old news. But it was new news to me today because it was the first time I had seen it. Eric Wentz, defender out of Hofstra. I can't remember if I talked about this. Solid defender out of Hofstra. He's heading to Ohio State. And this was the big one. B.J. Burles, 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 B.J. Burles. I can't remember how to pronounce it. Defender out of Yale is heading to Maryland. So I think that out of all the schools here that have benefited from the transfer portal uh, this offseason and has benefited from the COVID issues Maryland is absolutely killing it. They pick up Holden. They pick up uh, the Colgate uh, attackman there. What the hell, Brown? And they pick up Burlace, Burlace from Yale. Those are three huge pickups that they just snagged here. So the as I keep saying, the rich keep getting richer. But I think right now the big winners are obviously Duke and Maryland. But I think... Now nah, I'm not going to give Maryland the edge. I think Duke's still the winner of this battle because they've got Mike Sowers, and that's like that's just you put Mike Sowers on any team that changes the entire face of that team. But Maryland has added quality depth to their roster and possibly two starters, maybe even three start like three. Pl- definitely, they've added three players that have starting caliber talent. That is for sure. So Maryland is they, they just keep winning winning that battle, and it's it's crazy to see. Other news. I see people getting a little bit butthurt and upset that a bunch of the lacrosse players are out there saying, hey, bet on my team, bet on my team, and they're saying that's a bad look for the lacrosse players. I disagree. I think that what would – because they're trying to compare it to, like, you would never see Tom Brady saying bet on my team. I think that if you were in a, in a non-public setting with Tom Brady – and I think that if Tom Brady had reason to get news out or something like that, if if sports betting was being allowed at, at the NFL level for the very first time, I dare say guys that are as competitive as Tom Brady, you would hear them say, hey, bet on my team. I think if you jokingly told Tom Brady, hey, I didn't take you, I didn't take Tampa Bay against whoever they're playing here this year, I think Tom Brady would have said, that's a mistake. You should have taken Tampa Bay. So I think the guy, I forget who the guy was. There was some guy on Twitter, coach so-and-so, saying that they need to act like they've been there before. Don't be running out in social media saying, bet on my my team. That's not a good look. Eh, get over it, buddy. I think that it's fine. I think that they're excited. I think that they're just trying to get the word out. Uh, you're trying, these people are not just athletes. These people own the league they're playing in. They all have vested interest in the success of the PLL. So going out there and saying, Hey, you can bet on lacrosse now in the form of, Hey, bet on my team. I do not think that's nearly as bad of a look as what this uh, guy was trying to say. I'm not even going to name him. I, I wouldn't even know where to find it here now anyway. But that was something I thought was kind of like, eh, come on, get over it. You're going to, the players are going to be excited because this is big news for the sport of lacrosse in general. It's big news for their league that they have a vest, you know, interest in a, they own a stake in it uh, to a degree. So I think that that's what you're really seeing 
And I, I, I disagree that you wouldn't see a guy like Tom Brady do that if he was in the same position. I think he may very well do that. Yeah, you, you just don't know. You just don't know. Um, as we're sitting here dealing with the COVID stuff, I hope everybody is staying safe. I hope everybody is staying sane. I see that U.S. Lacrosse has put out this kind of report trying to say, hey, here's our plan to try to, once we can get back on the field, here's our plan to try to do so safely, especially keeping the, the kids at the younger levels safe. So we saw that. So I'm just, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm in New York. So today is Thursday, early, early, early Thursday morning before everybody else is up most for the most part. So I think that we'll see, we, we open up tomorrow. Uh, and it, I say we open up tomorrow. It's going to be more of, they're going to open up some restaurant, more restaurants for takeout. Retails are going to open for curbside. All the manufacturing for the most part is opening up. So I'm excited to see things get back to normal and whatever that new normal is going to be. I just, I'm just sick of seeing people argue. We have the side that never wants to leave their homes again. And we have this and, and listen, if you're out there saying it's too early to open up, we cannot do this. We all need to stay sheltered in place. You're operating a little bit off of fear. And that's, I mean, that's not that there's not utility in it, because if you end up being right and you, you let your fear keep you in the house, boom. That's why, evolutionarily speaking, we have fear, because it does tend to keep us alive. But I heard Mike Rowe uh, make a statement that it, I can't I'm going to paraphrase it, but his statement was something to the effect of uh, we 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 realize that what we're doing right now isn't living. At this point, we realize that living involves risk that if this is what the new normal is, or if the new normal, if we're never going to get back to close to what used to be normal, which I, I don't think that's the case. I think that's the alarmists speaking. Uh, we don't want, we don't want this, you know, this can't be normal and we need to start trying to get back. And the, the kicker is going to be the scared people, the people who don't do anything, the people who have never won anything. Uh, the followers of the world are all too happy with the shelters in place and just staying out. And I've, I've been sheltered in place. I have only left my house on a handful of times. So as I'm talking about being skeptical about how this has been handled to a degree, it's not that I haven't lived assuming that COVID is going to kill me and my entire family. I have. I've done what we have been asked to do. But I, too, am also ready to see the, the see them start to open things up because I think that's important to get people's fear. I, I think that opening things up, showing people that, hey, you can go back out in public, you can go back to the store, you can do this and you can do that. At, at some point, you can go back into restaurants and eat. We have to start doing that because if, if the leaders of the world, the people who win, don't start getting back out into the world safely and showing people that, hey, we can get back to normal again, or at least as close to normal as we can, then the people who are afraid in the world are never going to come out. Uh, so it's like we we need the people that are afraid, but we don't need the chicken littles and the alarmists. We need the people that are brave, but we don't need the dum-dums that are just completely ignoring all aspects of what the medical community is telling us. The reality here is you ask a doctor what to do to save lives, they're always going to tell you, Everybody must shelter in place because a doctor's goal is to save every life they can, but a doctor cannot make, they can't make decisions on economic policy. They can't make decisions on political, you know, political policy. They're not politicians. Specialists are good at what specialists do. So somebody who's an economic specialist, they're going to tend to have ideas that sound a little bit insensitive. People who are in the medical community that are specialists, they're going to tend to have ideas that tend to be call for over coddling and let's do things that are overly safe to try to save lives. We need something in the middle for sure. I'm a middle of the road kind of guy, but more importantly, we're all brothers and sisters in this crap together. So let's stop 
arguing. Let's stop infighting. Let's stop virtue signaling. Let's just realize some people are scared. You have, you know, I can understand why you're scared. I'm not mad at you for that. Just don't be mad at me when I go out and eat at a restaurant at the point that they finally let us do that because, man, I am jonesing to get myself to a Tully's to eat myself some buffalo um, chicken tenders. I've been eating a lot of takeout, too. A lot of people haven't even been ordering takeout. We have been takeout kings, getting takeout at least two to four times a week and almost all the time from the smaller chains. So we've been trying to support our local business. Now I'm rambling about crap that has nothing to do with the sport of lacrosse. So I am going to end on that note. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so that you're notified when we put out more videos. Share this video with your homies and everybody in between. And as always, thank you for watching. Hoost is out.